thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. At 30, last time he tried out, they told him he was a little too old and sounded too old. I just think that's funny. Um, it's all relative, isn't it? I used to think 50 was old. Not anymore. Not anymore. What is your greatest fear? What, what's a, what is your greatest fear as you go into this new year? What, what's your greatest fear in a normal week? What, um, what sometimes keeps you up at night? You know, I don't recall having any fears that I dealt with, but, but one, uh, until we had kids. And you know, on your first child, um, when they finally start to sleep all night, and you can't feel their breath, anybody ever wake them up? Make sure they're still breathing. Come on, you know you have. You, you, when you have kids, you start to, fears start to pop up that you didn't have before. And then you kind of get a grip on it as they, as they get a little older. And then they start to drive and date, right? And then some more fears that you never dealt with before came in. And then, and then they go off to college and there's a whole other set of fear. And, and, but fear doesn't come from God, does it? Fear doesn't come from God. What does the Word of God say about fear? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says this. This is from the New King James Version. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Of power and love and a sound mind. Fear does not come from God. In fact, God wants to replace our fear with faith, doesn't he? He, he wants to take it from us. Well, that's one of the burdens we can cast on the Lord because He cares for us. He wants to take our fear from us and in its place, put faith. Put faith. As you step into a new year, I think some of you are going to step out of your comfort zone. Some of us are going to step out of our comfort zone at work or in our community or, or in our church. Step out of, hey, Paxton, Pastor Jeff, I'm here. Bless me if you can today. I've been in church a long time. Let's see what you got. Some of you this year are going to step out of that comfort of just receiving blessings and step into a place of service and ministry, a place of faith that you maybe haven't been before, or maybe it's been a while since you've, since you've been there. I think of uh, a failure that I had growing up before we had kids and a, f- a failure that all of us probably have is a, f- is a fear of, excuse me, the fear that all of us probably have is a fear of failure. Everyone fears failure at some point. We don't want to disappoint somebody. We, we, uh, we're scared of making a B. And some of you are like that. W- what if I don't attain the goals and the teams at school? Or, or what if when I get into my career after college, I don't move up fast enough. At one point or another, everybody fears failure. And let's talk about this for a second. Giving in to the fear of failure is going to cost us more than we thought it would, more than we could imagine. Giving in to that fear, not risking, not taking steps of faith is going to cost us more than we realize familiar passage in Matthew chapter 25. 
It's the parable of the talents. You, you, you remember the story, right? Jesus gave five talents to one guy and a couple of talents to another guy and then one talent to one guy. You remember that? It, it was the master as Jesus is telling the parable. And he says, I'm going to go on a journey. I've entrusted you with these talents. Now, it's talking about money, but I like that the word is talent. I've entrusted you with these talents. I'm going to go away for a while. Let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can do. And you remember the guy with five talents? Remember what he did? He doubled them, right? He put them to work. He doubled the talents. He doubled his master's money. We don't know how. Jesus doesn't develop the parable to that length of detail. But we know that he doubles the value. He has five, he gets five more. The guy that got two talents from the master, same thing. Same thing for him. He put them to work. He took some, some risks. He stepped out with his master's money. He doubled, he doubled the investment and had four talents. Let's pick up in the scripture uh, the man with one talent in Matthew chapter 25. Notice what it says, starting in verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. He said, Master, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. Notice this. So I was afraid. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. He's kind of happy with himself, wasn't he? See, here's what belongs to you. I didn't lose it. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Because he held back in fear, he didn't use that that the master entrusted him with. The master called him wicked and lazy. And then notice what he says in conclusion. Take the talent from him, that lazy, wicked servant, and give it to the one who has ten talents. Give it to the one who has ten talents. Fear paralyzed that guy, didn't it? It paralyzed him. He, he didn't know what to do, so he literally, in the parable, buried it in the ground. He literally buried that talent in the ground. That which he guarded, that which he guarded, he eventually lost, didn't he? He only got one. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, we, we don't want to over try to analyze this thing. He got something from the master. It was only one compared to the two and the five, but he didn't do anything with it, and he eventually, he eventually lost what he thought he was guarding. Listen to this. I heard a story about a guy who owned a lot of monkeys. Anyone who owns a lot of monkeys is likely to do some unusual things. And this guy was kind of a researcher. So listen to what he did. One day he took four of the monkeys and he locked them up in a room. And he put a giant pole in the middle of the room and put a bushel of bananas at the top of the stalk to do an experiment, the top of that pole. The four little monkeys were in the room and one little monkey looked up and said, those are bananas. Ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ooh. Got it? That was pretty good, wasn't it? That's the Greek word for ooh, 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 ah, ah. Okay. He said, I want some bananas. Sorry. So he scurried up the pole as fast as he could. And then the owner, who was evidently a deranged researcher, took a giant high-powered hose of water and hosed the monkey down, knocking him off the pole as he headed for the bananas. So anyway, another monkey decides to go up the pole. Same thing. Knocks him down with a spray of water. After several failed attempts, all four monkeys decided this just isn't worth the cost. We'll stop trying. Then one day, this deranged monkey owner takes one of the four monkeys out and brings in a new monkey. 
The new monkey saw the bananas, and of course, what did he do? He started up the pole. The other three monkeys, who had experienced the shock and pain of the water, said, uh-uh, we're not going to let you do that, and they pulled him down. The owner thought, that's interesting. And one by one, he replaced the original monkeys with monkeys that had never even known the rules. And after he had four brand new monkeys over time in the room, he noticed that none of the monkeys would even try to get the bananas. They didn't even know why they were afraid to try. Listen to the conclusion. Whenever you sense God calling you to take a step of faith, to take a risk, you can be assured that people, and oftentimes people that you love, will try to tell you why it will not work. They will encourage you with words like, this is never going to work. This isn't any good. In fact, you're no good. You failed the last time you tried this. It's a stupid idea. You might as well give up. Listen to this conclusion. I love this story. Please don't let someone else's failure or someone else's fear make a monkey out of you. I find that that's interesting. People are sometimes like that. What's your greatest fear? Is it the fear of failure? Do you feel moved to start a new business or to make a career change? Or to throw yourself into relationships and, and be a friend that God wants you to be? Uh, is God calling you to start a life group? Is, is God, man, is God calling you to be the spiritual leader of your home, but you're, you're scared that you're going to mess up, that you're going to fail? Students, is God calling you to stand out and make a difference on your campus? your middle school, your high school, your college campus, and you're just really scared of messing up and everybody will think you're a moron. What are you afraid of today? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We all fear failure, but let me encourage you today. I want to encourage you in these next few moments with three biblical principles. I can tell all of you have your pens out, so get ready. You ready? Three biblical principles that will encourage you, help empower you to overcome this fear of failure. Very encouraging. Here's encouraging thought number one. Here's encouraging thought number one. You're going to fail. You will fail. You will absolutely fail. You can write that down. Unless you're Jesus, you're going to fail. John Maxwell has made a lot of money with a great book called Failing Forward. You know who buys it the most? CEOs and executive vice presidents and vice presidents and directors in large corporations and large organizations. Failing forward. You are going to fail. If you put yourself out there and try to take a risk and do what God is calling you to do, you're going to fail. It's just a fact. It's a fact. God called us to plant a church in Florida. We partnered with the Florida Baptist Convention to launch a church out in the swamp. There were 38,000 people approximately out here in this uh, east of Naples, Florida. And there was a giant high school and a giant middle school. Middle school had 1,600 kids and the high school had 1,600 when it opened and eventually got up to almost 3,000. And there was one little bitty church out there and, and not much was happening. And God called us to plant a church out there. Things were going pretty good. We had a great core group. Our best friends, my, my, my right-hand man with us, 
Robert and Cindy Maxfield. Robert was my best friend. They were, they were the, he, he was our, kind of our lead elder in our elder group. And we were very, very close to them. One Sunday morning, Danette and I had gone on a date the night before, got our church, ran the macaroni grill, and he set us up with a sweet date. Just cost us a $10 tip, and we were happy, you know, church planners. We were happy. And so our normal group that set up all the nursery and all the children's stuff and all the worship uh, and video and sound and all the bo- everything, Saturday night they set it up and we weren't there. And they set it up a different way, which is fine. There are lots of ways to skin a cat, right? Um, some of you have tried them all. But um, it was different. I didn't like it when I got there, so I didn't complain. I just started moving stuff around, and Robert went crazy. He just I don't know what the stress was going on, but Rob goes crazy. And he and I end up on the front porch, and fortunately no church people are there yet. But he and I are screaming at each other, and I don't recall the conversation and how it got started. But I know that afternoon, Amberly said, Dad... That's the first time I ever heard you cuss. She was about 10 years old, and I was like, I know. I don't know what I said. I can't remember. I hope it wasn't the big ones, but it, it may have been. <laughs> Nothing like a little anger or a little pain to make you really backslide fast, you know, right? We're all going to fail. And I stood on a stage a little lower than this and a crowd a little smaller than this, and tried to deliver God's word with that anger and that failing with one of my best friend. Can you imagine the sin of the pastor and the lead elder in front of the high school where you have church screaming and yelling at each other? And we worked it out, of course. But we all fail, and sometimes we try to cover it up, and sometimes we just say, baby, you're right, I messed up. I'm sorry you had to see that and hear that. Daddy's a sinner, and I need Jesus as much as the people we're trying to reach out here. We're all going to fail, in other words. Sometimes we fail big time. Sometimes we fail just a little. But when you fail, watch this. When you fail, remember this. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Failure is an event. You failed. You are not a failure. Did you hear me? You've, you failed a test, but you're not a failure. You put yourself out there. You tried to do what you thought you needed to do in your career. It seemed like a great opportunity, and you failed. You failed in the event, but you are not a failure as a person. And, and there's, a, there's a difference. When you fail, allow yourself to feel the disappointment, but never Think that God on the throne of heaven it disapproves of you as His creation. Feel the disapproval. Feel the disappointment, but not the disapproval. Failure is an event. It's never a, a, a person. You remember Romans 5.3? Romans 5.3? People usually quote it when they, somebody says, boy, I'm praying for patience. You go, ah, you better watch out. Because in Romans 5, it says that sufferings or trials or problems produce patience or perseverance. You better be careful what you pray for. But there's a whole string, there's a whole string there of encouragement from the Apostle Paul. And he says all these things, the failures, the sufferings, the problems, the patience that comes from that, the perseverance, eventually it gets you to hope. It gets you to hope. And hope never, hope will never let you down. The hope of God 
the promise of God in us will never let us down. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean you're a failure. What you see as a huge setback might be God setting you up for what He wants to do in your marriage, in your family, in your career, or through our church. What you see as a huge setback, God says, I'm just, I'm just preparing the foundation and setting the table for what I'm going to do through you. Well, encouraging thought. Number one, you will fail. But this is a little more encouraging. You can overcome. You can overcome. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16. Though a righteous man falls what? Say it. Though a righteous man falls, what happens? He rises again. He falls down and he gets up and he falls down and he gets up. He falls down and he gets up. Seven times a righteous man does that. You can overcome. Shook Jordan used to be the football coach at Auburn University. He won a national championship, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago at Auburn. He had a great linebacker there named Mike Collin. Mike went on to play with the Miami Dolphins. The Auburn Tigers started to slide just a little, regardless of how loud they screamed War Eagle and all that kind of stuff. They started to slide a little, and before the NCAA took out some of these things, Shug Jordan goes to Mike and says, I need some help recruiting, Mike. Remember, we won a national championship together. We had a great run. Auburn Tigers are hurting a little. I need some help recruiting. And Mike says, Coach, what kind of guy are you looking for? And Coach Jordan says, you know the guy who gets knocked down and he stays down? Mike goes, yeah, Coach, we don't want that guy, do we? He goes, no, we don't want that guy. Coach Jordan says, Mike, you know there's a guy who gets knocked down and he gets back up. He gets knocked down again and he stays down. Mike goes, Coach, we don't want that guy either, do we? He goes, no, 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 we don't want that guy. Mike says, or Coach Jordan says, Mike, there's the guy and he gets knocked down and he gets up again and he gets knocked down and he gets up again. He gets knocked down and he gets up again. And Mike goes, I got it, Coach. That's the guy we want. Coach Jordan goes, no, I want you to find that guy knocking everybody down. That's the guy we want. <laughs> In an Auburn Tiger uniform. You can overcome. You can overcome. Why? Because a righteous man gets knocked down and he gets up seven times. Why? Because God's taken away the fear and the timidity. He's taken that away and He's giving you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Write this down if you're taking notes. Failure is the price that I pay on the road to God's success. Failure is the price that I pay on the road to God's success. Listen to this story. I found this too. Story about a guy who teaches a pottery class. Every year, early in his class, he would do this assignment that would really help the students, not only in pottery, but in life. He'd take the class and he would divide it right down the middle and he would say, this part of the class, your assignment in the next three hours, all of you together, you focus on quantity. I want you to make 100 clay pots next three hours. This half of the class, I want you to simply make one pot. Focus on quality. Focus on quantity. Focus on quality. Ready, goal. The goal is to make the best one for you guys better than these with the hundred. On your mark, get set, go. And every year, in every class, the teacher would prove his point. At the end of the time, those who focused on quality would always make one, 
And those who focused on quantity would always make a hundred or so, but they would have about a dozen pots on the quantity side that were better than the one pot on the quality side. And the students would ask, okay, you set us up, but why did this happen this way? The professor would say this, one of the biggest mistakes that we make is we overanalyze. We overprepare. We work on a committee and we are hesitant to risk failure. And then he'd talk to his group and say, the first pot you made, the hundred pot group, the first pot you made was ugly. And the second was ugly. And the third wasn't very good. But each time you made a pot, you learned something. And before long, you were learning so much that the quality of your work improved and you succeeded because you didn't fear failure. That's a great lesson, isn't it? It's just a practical application of what God said. I take away your fear, your timidity, your skepticism, and I give you power and love and a sound mind. Some translations for sound mind say self-discipline. I give that to you. God takes away our junk and gives us his, his good stuff. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Look at it, look at it again. Say it in your mind. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Say, Michael, I'm not sure if I have what it takes to lead a small group or to minister in the women's ministry or the men's ministry. Or I don't even know if I could do youth or kids. I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I've got what it takes. Can I tell you something? In the Christian life and in Christian ministry and service, with the exception of criminal behavior, you can't really mess it up. You can't really mess it up. Let me ask you a question. How many of you went to the cross of Calvary and died for yourself? Anybody? How many of you are sitting at the right hand of the Father, living for one reason, and that's to pray for the people that you saved on the cross? Oh, oh none of us. How many of you are going to come back again? The second coming applies to you, and you're going to come back and get godly people in the church and take them to heaven. See, you don't save yourself you can't keep yourself saved, and you're not going to get yourself to heaven. So guess what? The other stuff in the middle, you don't do either. You will fail when you try, but you can overcome, and you can get better as you fail, as you put yourself out there into God's kingdom work, because He's going to do it. He's going to do it in you. He's going to do a work in you so He can do a work through you. He saves you, and He will minister through you. You don't have to fear failure because God has taken away the fear and given you power and love and a sound mind. It, ha it matters little what happens to you in life. But listen, what God is doing, it matters a great deal what He is doing in you. Thought number one, you're going to fail. Principle number one, you're going to fail. Number two, you can overcome. And number three, number th I forgot to show you that. Got it. Go. Uh, Number three, the third biblical principle is this. I've been saying it all along, throwing it out there. You've got to take faith risks. You must take risks in faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. 
Now, the word there for impossible, guess what it means literally? (laughs) It means impossible. No theological gymnastics required there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, Pastor James tells us the other side of it. Anything not done in faith is sin. You cannot... You, you cannot live the life God wants you to live and not be taking steps of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot play it safe and please God, in other words. I, I, we can't play it safe and please God. It's not possible. He set up the physical world with, with physical laws and rules. The rules of, you know, the laws of motion and and gravity, and all that stuff. and He set it up. You can't break those. You can bend them a little. Law of aerodynamics can bend the law of gravity, but if you run out of fuel, which law takes over? Gravity, right? In the spiritual realm, God has set some things up, and it's impo- one of the rules, it's impossible to please God without faith. Some of your greatest fear is Failure. Your greatest fear is failure. Remember when Peter tried to walk on the water? Remember they, he, they, Peter, Jesus stayed on the shore to dismiss the people and the apostles went out in the boat. Remember that? Sea of Galilee? And Jesus comes walking out and they go, it's a ghost. Peter goes, no, I think it's the Lord. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out there and walk on the water with you. What does Jesus say? He says, let's do it. Come on out, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat, you Remember? I kind of picture him in my mind not, you know, gradually going down the side with something. I picture him just, just jumping out of the boat, you know, like a dolphin or something. Or like the guy from Goonies, hey, you guys, you know, or something like that. I don't know. He gets out on the water and he gets to walk on the water for a little while, right? He walks on the water. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm distracted by the Goonies, Lyle Alzado or whoever that was, right? Uh, and chunk. Remember, anyway, uh, Peter gets on the water and he starts walking towards Jesus. You remember what happens? He looks around and he he feels the wind and the the and the you know the the waves and the the Sea of Galilee's rocking and the boat and he takes his eyes off Jesus. Remember? And he looks around at the waves and the wind and feels it and he and he begins to sink. You remember what he did? Jesus, save me! Jesus grabs him by the hand and. They end up back in the boat. Who, who failed there? Did Peter fail? I think the 11 guys who stayed in the boat failed personally. They never, we, in Scripture, we never see them having an experience like that with Jesus doing. We never see them jumping out of the boat, dolphining out of the boat, whatever. We, we, never get, we, we never see them in Scripture having that kind of experience with Jesus. I, I think the 11 guys... In the, in the boat failed, not, not Peter. Let me say this as we begin to close. If your greatest fear is failure and you don't overcome it, you are going to experience your greatest pain. And that's regret. If you don't let God deliver His promise from 2 Timothy, God has given you not fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You're going to experience your greatest pain which is regret. It'll cost you more than you can imagine. Remember in Acts chapter 5, Sanhedrin was arguing about 
the apostles. I mean, Peter falls again, doesn't he? He falls in the water, but then and again, he's like giving God the finger and cussing him, and Jesus is headed to the cross. Remember that? And then the rooster crows, and Peter just, Peter just collapses. And then Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies for our sins, and he's resurrected from the grave. And the disciples don't know what to do, so they're all out fishing again. And Jesus calls them to the shore, and remember, he restores Peter. Remember that? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, and feed my sheep. He restores Peter, and he tells them to wait, and they go up into the upper room, and they wait, and the Holy Spirit comes on them in power, and Peter preaches the gospel, and he preaches the gospel in such a way that people from all over the world that were coming to worship on the day of Pentecost, they heard the gospel in their own language, and 3,000 people got saved in one day. That's what I call failing forward. That's what I call failing forward. We get a few weeks or a few months or so into the brand new baby church and the Sanhedrin's trying to, we thought we, t- we thought we took care of this. With the cross and the soldiers and the lying and all of that, and the payoffs. What are we going to do about these guys? And Gamaliel stands up in Acts chapter 5 and he says this. He says this. If these guys are of, are of men, they're going to fail. Just leave them alone. If what they're doing is a man's idea, they are going to fail. But then listen to what the Gamaliel said. He said this, but if what they're doing is from God, you cannot stop them. If you've got some plans or some, some goals and they're not of God, you're going to fail. But if you let God replace the fear of failure, of holding back, with taking risks in faith, with a sound mind, you can't be stopped. And what God wants to do in your life, in your career, in your marriage, your home, in this church, in our community. Amberly's my oldest daughter. She was, you have those kids, you have those kids that kind of sneak around on you. You got to be careful because you never know where they're lurking. I mean, you know, I mean, when I was using the bathroom, field and stream and all that, she'd just come in and want to have a conversation when she was little. So, Dad, how you doing? Well, I'm okay. She's kind of one of those kids. She'd hide out sometimes in our bedroom, you know. I mean, she's got to be careful. One night I walk into the room, and she launches off the bed and lands on top of my head. I barely hang on to her. I'm barely hanging on to her. I'm like, baby, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why'd you do that? You could have got hurt. Why'd you do that? She's like, Dad, I knew you would catch me. I knew you would catch me. There was no doubt in her mind The dad, when she leapt off that bed in the dark, was going to catch her. No doubt. Listen, God is calling many of us as we approach this new year. He's calling us to take that kind of leap of faith. It's not a stupid leap. It says a sound mind and self-discipline and power and love. It doesn't say lunacy. It doesn't say to be an idiot and call it God doing something through you. Remember Gamaliel's thing? If it's from you, it's going to fail. But if it's from God, it can't be stopped. God is calling some of us to take that kind of leap of faith. What faith risk is God calling you to take? Don't play it safe. Let's be pleasing to Him. Let's pray together. Father, it's been good to look at Your Word today, to be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in the Lord at this church family. God, we know we're going to blow it. Even after we're saved and after we get in the Word and try to learn. We know sometimes we're just going to absolutely fail. 
And God, thank you that if it's sin, you forgive us, forgive us. And if it's just immaturity, God, you, you teach us, you restore us. God, we can overcome any obstacle in life, any trial, any suffering, any temptation. We can overcome it because you have given us power and love and a sound mind. And so God, help us to take steps of faith, risks of faith. Help us to be pleasing to you as we live in faith. God, we, we love goals. I mean, those of us in sales and, and other types of life, we, we set goals, we love goals, we reach goals. God, New Year's resolutions are a good thing. But God, we cannot accomplish anything unless it's in you. And God, if we take a leap of faith in you, we cannot be stopped. So God, call us, call us to get out of the boat if we want to walk on the water. God, call us to risk in faith. And if we're not sure what you're calling us to, God, may we spend the time in the Word and in prayer and on our knees and being still so that you can speak to our hearts and lead us to do that which only you can do. God, we thank you that fear is not of God. We don't have to worry about fear anymore if we live in you and rest in you. So God, move in this place now in this time of commitment. If there are those who haven't trusted Christ as Savior, we, we can help them. There's couples to pray. Father, I'll be down front. We can help people know for sure that they're one of your children. God, if you're leading a family to join here, an individual, we pray, even though the pastor's out of town, we pray that you'd bring them, you'd bring them to us, Lord. And God, if there are folks here that you've told to do something and we haven't done it, we're not sure what to do next, may we just pray and say, yes, Lord, and get out of the boat. This is the year that we take a leap of faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll be down front to receive you. These couples will be here to pray for you. Let's stand. You move as God leads. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name The sun comes up Talk to me. Whatever uh, we got the second baby on the way. Okay. I'm we're not going to be able to handle it. Okay. You got it, buddy. Father, we know that this baby is not an accident. There's no accidents with you as you create life, God. And so I pray, God, that this brother, that you would do a work in him, God, so you do a work through him. For, for his wife and for this baby, God, and, and uh, Father, for the baby that's already here, Father, he needs to be a man of God, and he needs to, to step up, and you can you can guide him, or you can you can help him, not just to surprise him, but to, to overcome him as a man, as a husband, as a daddy. So God, I pray that you prepare them, prepare them financially, God, prepare them in their time and their schedule and the structure of their relationship. God, I pray that they would think and say and do what you want us to God. I pray they be blessed because of it. Jesus, amen.
to come and uh, take up the offering for us. Um, thank you for being here today. God bless you. Um, Pastor will be pleased and Paxton to know that it was a large gathering even while they were gone. Make, make sure you say something. In fact, I'll invite Joel and Andrew just to make their way to the back back there. Um, make sure you say thanks to them. God bless. They have a great uh, ministry and we're, we're very, very blessed to have them here with us when uh, Pastor Paxton and Carrie are, are out of town and not able to be with us. Ashley, lead us in prayer. God, I just want to thank you so much for all that you uh, have done in us, for us, and are doing through us, and are fixing to do through us. And I, I just ask that you would uh, continually give us the uh, faith to step out and to do things that we couldn't do. Uh, right now, as we move into this time of tithe and offering, I just ask that you would uh, do things that we couldn't do, that you would uh, just stretch it out, multiply it, so we could reach people for your name and for your kingdom in your love. Amen. 